And welcome to another episode of the Two Fans Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joshua Ament. And I'm your other co-host, Ari Jesselson. And today we've got quite the Friday recap. Um, it's our first one of November. Um, so we're recapping on a lot of stuff that happened towards the back end of October. And we have a lot of somber stuff to talk about. Like pretty much any of the first three, four stuff that we're going to talk about today, honestly, probably deserve to be um, uh, the head story in another cells, but like, it's just been a very, very rough couple of weeks in the sports world. And that starts, I think, with um, a lot of news coming out of the Chicago Blackhawks organization um, the ongoing, at least finally being brought to a conclusion, um, scandal uh, involving um, a player who we now know as Kyle Beach, um, who was sexually assaulted during the 2010 season. Uh, I mean, we now know a lot of the details on it. Um, and what I mean, this is like, it, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to hear. And I cannot fault anyone if you just want to skip a couple of, a couple of minutes um, and on to, the, to something else. Um, but it bears bringing attention to. Because um, after the incident on uh, which uh, Brad Aldrich um, assaults a beach, um, it was brought up to the front office and a meeting among uh, Al McIsaac, John McDonough, Stan Bowman, uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff, and Joel Quenville, uh, as well as Jay Blanc, um, all met and agreed to sweep it under the rug for the sake of team morale or whatever excuse they came up with that 11 years too late, it's being brought to light. And at the very least, discipline does seem to uh, is seem, does seem to be uh, being brought. Now Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac, who are still with the Blackhawks, um, resigned uh, in the wake of this. Joel Quenville, who uh, was coaching Florida Panthers, uh, was also fired. Um, the only one, if, if I'm not mistaken, from that group who is still um, in an NHL organization uh, is Chevaldeoff uh, with the Jets, who even he had met with Bettman. And honestly, I'm not 100% sure that that case is closed just yet, but uh, there's no real note for me to end that on. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and, um... <clears throat> This obviously is a very, this is a trigger warning. So obviously we'll probably, we'll hopefully try to put that in text in the beginning of this, just for people. And there's no easy way of going this and this is stuff that happens. And this is something we've been talking about for a, a lot of weeks. And we talk about the women's USA soccer team, this, so we always hear the stories. It could happen to men, women, it could happen to anyone at the end of the day. And it's, and like we keep saying, it is meant to be talked about because these are issues that happen in not just the sports world, but also the regular world, both men and women. It is bearing it and sweeping under the rug 
is exactly what these guys right here did, and which is why we both believe they should serve the justice of what they did, both if they actually did the the thing or if they just try to cover it up and knew about it. And while we don't know exactly how much of it is the truth, we knew that we do know that this happened and that their actions should have consequences that they should be punished for it. Yeah. And I mean, there's so much more that of what this means for the NHL just as an organization of people on how the Players Association uh, responded to this on um, sort of what we know and don't know about what uh, his teammates uh, in the locker room actually knew as opposed to what was rumored. Uh, and just in a larger sense, the NHL and its uh, environment as a whole, like among, among later, or let me regroup myself for a second, um, just not gaining the amount of traction as this for obvious reasons, but still a problem was uh, something Robin Leonard brought to light over the off season on how teams often um, overprescribe uh, overprescribe drugs to treat uh, to treat injuries, um, and that is a whole nother problem in and of itself. That I mean, compounded with this, and I mean the fact that I honestly like the uh, one tragedy here is that Beach was a first round pick and that we have like no idea how much this like could have affected the outlook on his career. And that's not even, doesn't even crack like top five worst parts of this. Yeah, and really he doesn't crack on a pen, but that also is a very, important and key what if at this point and there's a lot to the story then and i think if we go through every single thing in the story it would definitely take us a full episode's worth and i feel like that's but i know this is something that did happen there's it is very tough to talk about it is very hard to talk about also but it is a story that happens and this is just one story that did get out and finally got out in the public and I do hope for Tal Breach that he does get the justice that he so deserves. Absolutely. And I will once again say that although 11 years too late, um, there is some, some, if not much solace uh, to be gained from the NHL taking action where necessary. Again, most of most of the people in that room made, who made that decision are no longer um, with NHL organizations. Uh, I'm sure that this will be a wake up call for the league, for the player association, uh, for everyone involved uh, there. <sighs> Only four more stories with that tone we have to talk about. Um, I guess, where should we go to next? Um, 
I mean, it sucks having to go from like one bad story to another, but we really bad have no story choice. To another bad like, story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guess, let's talk about Calvin Ridley because this is nothing. That concept of what he just did is nothing new. And in a way, it's kind of glad that athletes are doing this. For those who don't know, on Tuesday, I'm sorry, on what was it, Sunday or Monday, Calvin Ridley announced that he is going to take a mental health break from the NFL. In a statement he did post on his Instagram, he said, quote, these past few weeks have been very challenging. And as much as I'd like to be on the field competing with my teammates, I need to step away from football at a time at this time and focus on my mental well-being. This will help me be the best version of myself now and in the future. I want to thank my teammates, the entire Atlanta Falcons organization, our great fans, my family, and my friends and my family for all their support during this time. Calvin Ridley. And um, I guess we we seen in the Olympics how Naomi Saka and um and I'm sorry, what's your name again? Gabrielle. Simone Biles, I'm thinking Gabrielle Union. Simone Biles and Natalie Saka took mental health breaks from sports during the Olympics. And I guess just the way it turns down that yes, these are professional athletes, but they're also still human. And just like you guys at home, they also need to take care of their mental health if needed to. And while it does suck and it does feel weird, it does feel bad that you know that this guy's taking a mental health break, it needs to be in the right mindset. It's great for him that he, it's great that he's taking the time off to focus on himself. So at the end of the day, he could try to be the best self that he could be. I mean, yeah, like, I know I've said it before. I'll say it again until it is drilled into everyone's head. It does not matter if you're Calvin Ridley. It does not matter if you're Carey Price, if you're Naomi Osaka, if you're Simone Biles, if you're Kevin Love, if you're whoever. If you need it, if you need to take a break to focus on your mental health, absolutely, like, absolutely do it. No one should be blaming you for, for that. Nobody should ever be making it hard for you to do that. I mean, I'll say like, especially like as college students, like as this is the, these couple weeks in particular are, uh, it's pretty easy to get burnt out that like every single one of us, like in some, in some form, needs like needs to take care of ourselves in that way make sure we don't completely collapse and really in this case no different i couldn't put it better myself and just for everyone at home if you need to take a break please do so you deserve it your physical your mental well-being is as important as your physical well-being And I guess if for Mr. Calvin Ridley, uh, hopefully he takes as long as he needs. And hopefully whenever that will be, if he ever decides that he wants to step back on, he will be ready to it. And no matter where he is, whether he calls it quits now, whether it be years, whatever, how long it takes, the fans, including us, will always be by his side for this. 100%. I guess... Maybe another trigger warning for this story again. Um, we're going to talk about the Henry Ruggs incident. And um, for those who don't know, it is a very hard story. It's a very gruesome story. It is a very, really how could you story. I mean, a lot of the details. But if you don't know, 
on Monday morning at two, like around 2.30 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, uh, Henry Ruggs, former Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs, got into a accident, his, he got into an accident that left a woman, an innocent woman, dead. For those who don't know, Henry Ruggs was drunk driving. His blood alcohol concentration was 0.16, which is double the legal driving limit. And he had in his his Corvette was going, his car was going 156 miles per hour. And when the airbags deployed, they were his car was at 127 miles per hour. Um, He hit the car behind her with the woman, and um, the car her, her car combusted. And she died in the in the car fire. Henry Ruggs and his passenger, who is his girlfriend, they both suffered injuries. They are non-life-threatening, and they also found a loaded gun in the back of the car. Henry Ruggs is now in court, and um, at the end, really, an innocent woman is dead. I guess that's just how to put it. And if you know more stuff from Henry Ruggs' story, I know Josh Jacobs, a teammate of him, has gotten in a drunk driving accident. Few months ago, back in two years ago, he had a friend who died of drunk driving accident. So it's kind of more, more like a, you should know what you're doing, and you've seen a lot of this influence. So how could you? And yes, he did throw his career away. He threw his football career away, but he did kill an innocent woman who did not deserve to die, especially like that. And um, hopefully, justice will be served for what happens because really he should get the book thrown at him for what he's what he's done. Because there's a lot of things like yeah. If he was, if the car just happened to crash, whatever, there's a lot that could happen. But at the end of the day, he did kill an innocent woman, and um, he should be punished for that. Yeah, I mean, it, once again, it sucks when all you can do is say thoughts and prayers to the victim. But, I mean, once again, this is, all we can do, and I mean, it's for rugs, like, yeah, it's a, what were you thinking? It's a, like, what what was going through your head? Was it a lingering problem? Was it one bad night? I don't know. It's not up to me to speculate or what, or anything. Like, it was a horrible decision resulting in a horrible accident. And of course, there should be punishment. But at the end of the day, I still do hope that that he is able, at the end of the day, to learn his lesson and come out of this a better person. Yeah, I do agree with you. Looking for me, I'm with kind of more of a what the fuck. At the end of the day, hopefully, he does learn from it and becomes a better person. One that life becomes in the tunnel, in a way. All right, now we can step out of the sad ones and now into a, come on. Not a, yeah. <laughs> that was the perfect <laughs> way to say it for um, the story. And, uh, do you want to introduce the story? All right, I'll introduce it. And honestly, when, I, when news first broke of this story, I didn't even think it was going to be all that bad. Um, Because it started with saying 
Aaron Rodgers was going to miss um, his game this Sunday against the Chiefs uh, because he's in because he's in COVID protocol. And my initial response was uh, was oh that sucks. But on the other hand, um, let's laugh at the NFL because they try to push so hard a Rodgers versus Mahomes matchup, and three years in a row they can't get it. And that I thought was pretty much going to be end of story but no it turns out that rogers was in covid protocol because he wasn't vaccinated contrary to what many of us believed and what he led us on to believe through his i mean through his rhetoric through his not wearing masks um, after post-game interviews which if you're not vaccinated um you have to wear a mask per nfl guidelines um, and it just leads us to say, like, come on, guy, man, like, if you're not vaccinated, the very least you could do is just say it and not actually lie to our faces. Like we can, like we shit on Cole Beasley and, Ky- and Kyrie Irving, but at the very least they're up front with us. They, they, they at least say, Hey, I'm not vaccinated. I'm following the guidelines. I don't like it, but it's my choice. And that I completely understand. If you want to do that, cool for you, because um, this uh, you do you, but at least, at least you're going to do your precautions to stay safe. What Aaron Rodgers is doing is neither of those. And you know what Aaron Rodgers reminds me of? You know that's you know that cliche in zombie movies, the one dude who hides a zombie bite? That's Aaron Rodgers. That's Aaron Rodgers. You hear you? Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Honestly, like... At least Cole Bleasley and Kyrie Irving will tell you, like, yeah, I'm bit. And it'll be, it'll be like that scene in the Walking Dead game by Telltale where you got to choose to shoot the guy or whatever it was. Spoiler alert for, like, a, a seven, year, an eight-year-old game. But, like, uh, Aaron Rodgers is the type of dude to hide that shot. And, like, here's some probe guidelines if you aren't, uh, if you're not vaccinated in the NFL. You have traveling on separate flights as the rest of the team, getting tested daily, wearing masks at team facilities during travel and interviews, not leaving the hotel and not eating meals with teammates. I can guarantee you, Aaron Rodgers has been doing none of that. And he's in, on the press with his mask off, and there's a lot that he's not doing. It's like, and I know how he said it when people, when people were asked, he's like, I am immunized, immunized or whatever he said that. But like, come on. Because, and I know we talked about this before, but like, you don't know what to expect from Aaron Rodgers when it comes to this stuff. But like, at least be upfront with it, you know? Yeah. I can't really like if there's one if there's one word you take away from this, it's come on. Like there's like none uh, like in an ideal world, not a single aspect of this story is true. Like this is the exact opposite of what anyone should want to do not only to not to to not get vaccinated and actively um and endanger i mean your family your your teammates which by the way i should add that like that rogers did say that that he like felt he was allergic to one of the ingredients in uh some of the vaccines which does bring up a point that like 
there are people who have like legitimate medical reasons like not to get vaccinated like i know i know we uh we know someone like that and like it's not a statement like on their character for not getting it if like it's not in their best medical interest too but at least the person we know is taking protocols with this stuff and if you don't want to get the shot that's fine by you you know you do you i do me but at least be safe with it at least take the protocols you know what's going to happen and if you can't get the shot for medical reasons don't take the shot but at least you're safe with it that's all that's saying. come on and just be safe and i know we talk about a lot of um serious stuff but if you want a good laugh you can watch the pad mcafee show featuring aaron Rodgers that aired today actually because there, there's a lot of interesting stuff to say the least i mean i'll be honest like i i haven't had the time to watch it yet but based on the quotes that i've heard i feel like i'm just gonna cringe more you will here's the best part though he consulted joe rogan as a health source yeah. Okay, that is the that is like the perfect middle ground between laugh and cringe. It is. It's 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 terrible, but in a good way sometimes, and then just not in a good way. But come on, Rogers, be better. You know what's at stake. You know what you should have done better, and that's just kind of where it falls down to. If you're not gonna get the vaccine, just be just be safe. Do the do the protocols, and that's it. If you can't, still take the protocol. Be safe. We're still in a fucking pandemic at this point, you know? And I know I stole your quote because we're just so used to saying that by now. <laughs> we, started COVID in junior, we started COVID in junior, middle of junior year, and now a college senior, freshman. Like, yeah. it's crazy. And yeah. um, so technically, we finally technically got a prediction right. Um, what was that? Because we did say six games that this team would win six, that the World Series would be over in six games. That is true. That is true. We just didn't say the right team. You didn't say the right team. Well, I knew I was going to jinx it. <laughs> so <laughs> I played a little devil's five. I see you. Well, yeah, yeah no, if you. No, go, yeah, go, go, if you go. haven't heard, um, baseball is for the time being saved, not because of the CBA, but because the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. And honestly, Ooh. more importantly for most fans, the Houston Astros didn't. But let's, let's give the Bra- let's give let's give this Braves team some credit because their I mean their run to the second half of the season was incredible. Their run in the playoffs was incredible. Jorge Soler, my boy, World Series MVP with that three-run bomb Honestly. that ended up being the series clincher. He was amazing. He deserved that MVP. And um, this Freddie Freeman, and then maybe his last at-bat as a Braves. Well, he should sign with the Braves again. Braves, you know what you got to do for this man. Home run to steal the game, basically. Um, and another story that – like, this entire team was incredible – in the middle of July, they had a three percent chance of winning the World Series. And like July 18th, I think the day was. I'm trying to follow it up. They had a three percent chance of making, of winning the World Series. And look where they are now. But like, honestly, this team does deserve it. Like, Freddie Freeman, World Series champion. It just sits right, you know. It's just a great say. It's just a great feeling. 
And there was a lot they lost this year. We we talked about it before. They lost three starters, and they pulled it off. I mean, yeah, like I can't really think of like a single person on that team who do, who doesn't have a feel good story who doesn't deserve it. You can talk about Freeman. You can talk about. I mean, you can talk about all the uh, deadline acquisitions. You can talk about, talk about Adam Duvall returning. You can talk about uh, Solaire. Talk about uh, Jock Peterson and Jock Tover and all of that. Could <laughs> He brought Rizzo's bats up to Sandoval. the World Series. Pablo Sandoval. He played sixty-nine games. Nice for the for the Braves. So he got a World Series ring, and he has the most World Series rings from an active player in the MLB. Wow. Panda Sandoval, World Series champion in twenty twenty-one. And. That's a great story that kind of went under the radar for a little bit. It, it got a little attention, but then it kind of fell off. Uh, Ron Washington, he was a, he's been in the MLB since he was 22 years old. He is now 69. He's been in the MLB for over 40 years. So from 1970, from 1970, took a break in 19, from 1978 to 80, but then it came back in 81 to 89. He was a shortstop for multiple teams. And then he was a coach. He's now the third base coach of the Atlanta Braves. In almost 50 years in the MLB, he finally got his first World Series. He finally got his first World Series ring. Good for him, man. Honestly. Almost 50 years in the making. And that's just great to see. And that's why baseball is such a great sport. But I mean, yeah. I'm so happy the Astros lost. I'm happy for this team. It's just great. There is like a, a part of me nagging at like at like do no that's for that's for another day i'll just say like congrats the the team deserves it the city deserves it like you go celebrate this one and let's hope we can put on a season in 2022 um if we can we still are going to be missing a big piece of uh, of the baseball world. That's Buster Posey. Um, right after the World Series, um, he announced his retirement from the league. Um, I probably should have put up his uh, his accolades, um, but are you're probably pulling them up as we speak right now? Yes, I am. So, um. I was very surprised because even this year, he's a seven-time All-Star. From two, he was in the league from 2009 to 2021. He missed 2020 because he was in the mine, didn't play in the minors because COVID, COVID didn't play at all. He's a seven-time All-Star. His last All-Star was this year, actually. A Rookie of the Year, MVP, and I guess for his hitting stats we could go by, a batting average of 302, OBP of .372, a slug rating of 460, OPS of 831 and OPS plus of 129. Just great career. And I'm surprised he retired this year. Oh, he's also, sorry, three time World Series, four time Silver Slug, a gold glove, and a batting title. How did I forget those stats also? The greatest catcher of our generation, definitely the greatest catcher of the 2010s. You can make that argument for that. Definitely top two, definitely a top, maybe top 15, top 10 catcher. I say top 10, I say top seven even. Greatest catcher in MLB history, and what a what a career it's been for him. 
Yeah, I don't think you can ever look back at the 2010s decade in baseball without mentioning Buster Posey. I mean, like, there's, like, I mean, like you said, like, a huge part of that, of that uh, early decade uh, dynasty there with the Giants, like, even keeping it through all the way through to this year being an all-star. Um, it is a little bit surprising, but uh, at the end of the day, like, being catcher also, like, does take a toll on you. I mean, a lot of great catchers do do tend to uh, fizzle out towards the back end of their careers. Like, I mean, credit credit to Posey for for staying strong twelve years in the majors. Um, and we will see you soon enough in Cooperstown. Honestly, it's only a matter of time. And this off season, I know we're not there yet. Well, technically, we're not at free agency yet, but it's looking to be a good one. I mean, Jock Peterson might make a reunion with the Cubs. He declined his offer with Atlanta after the World Series. Kyle Schwarber is a free agent. Kevin Pillar of the Mets is a free agent. Brett Gardner, Nick Costellos, Andrew McCutcheon. We could see a lot of great guys. No, 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 no. hold on. No, I'm not. I'm not going to let you mispronounce Castellanos. Castellanos. I'm sorry. How can I forget? How can I forget the ghost name? I already like. I'm already getting my hopes up. I already. I'm saying like, I'm like fantasizing like, how are the cut like, if does Ricketts want to spend enough to get Rizzo and Baez back and maybe Bryant doesn't really want to come back and honestly I don't blame him but what if we could and Andrew Chafin and maybe Kimball can revive his career and if we can get Schwarber and Castellanos back and that would be so amazing. Hey, you guys did claim Wade Willie, though. That's something. Yeah, honestly, we, like, the pitching, I don't even know if you can call it a core or just Kyle Hendricks lifting up, like, half of a Zach Davies. But that's pretty much all we got. I mean, plus a a young bullpen core uh, in Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, uh, Tommy Nance. Those guys are still there. Um... But that's pretty much it. Like Yeah, and the, the, the season's very young. There's a lot that's going to happen. And we will keep you updated. And I guess two more stories. Really, uh, we have more we'll say than but he finally escaped. Jack Eichel finally got out of Buffalo. Oh, my God. I, I'm not going to lie. I completely forgot about that. Like, with all of the shit that's happened these past couple of weeks, like, this also could have been a headline, but like it was any other week. But we had a lot this week. But um, Jack Eichel was traded to the Golden Knights for a 2023 third round pick from Buffalo in exchange for this for forward Alex Tucks, Peter Webb, and along with. Okay. I'm sorry. So um, the Golden Knights got a, a Jack Eichel in a 2023 2023 third round pick, and the Sabers got Alex forward Alex forwards Alex Tuck. In Pete and Curb, along with a 2021 first round pick and a 2023 third round pick. I mean, I'll look at it from, from the Vegas angle of like, this is a team that pretty much from season one has been championship or bust, and they haven't gotten a championship just yet. Like, this is just another all-in push on their part and I mean like I'll say it with Vegas and it's the same situation with them 
as is with the Avalanche, as is with the Maple Leafs, as is with a couple other teams, um, is that we already know they're a strong regular season team. The real showing of how well this trade is going to pay off is going to come in the playoffs. Can they go all the way this year? I am not one to say. I guess only time will tell. But it does look interesting and but hey, at least Jack Eichel is actually going to play some playoff hockey. Yeah, exactly. At least he's out of Buffalo. He could have gone, and he could have gone to Florida, but he's out of Buffalo, so that's a good thing. And um, week eight of the NFL, just to brush it up quickly, we had a lot of interesting guys get wins. Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon, and my man, the GOAT, Mike White. Thursday Night Football is not kind to Jets quarterbacks. That's all. Hey, no, 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 no. We got, we got Josh Johnson returning. What are you talking about? At the cost of Mike White. But Josh Johnson, yeah, a soul for a soul, as they say. But Mike White will be back. Yeah. Now, now, now hold on. Mike White beat the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Is he better than Zach Wilson? Or am I just intentionally phrasing this to make it clear that I'm clickbaiting? I think you're making it clear that you're clickbaiting, but is Mike White better than Joe Burrow? Are the Jets the best team? Or is the Bengals' defense just that bad? Yeah, I think they just got exposed, honestly. I think that's all very important, too. Bengals are such a weird team. They are. Honestly, so are the Saints. Yeah, but I feel like the Bengals are always like that, though. You know, like obviously their offense is always more powerful than their defense. But like, who could you name besides like Jesse Bates and Trey Hendrickson? Uh, do they still have Von Bell? No, I don't think they got Von Bell. Yeah, they got Von Bell. Huh. They got Trey Waynes. Got a him for a minute. You hell like it's it's just so, it's solid, but they always seem to have the cracks eventually. Like they always they're kind of like the Raiders. They start off kind of strong and then they kind of just plummet, and we all get sad for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a whole lot we probably we probably could talk about um, with the NFL. Um, one thing I I'll actually want to point to is uh, we've gotten uh, we've gotten a few scorigamis this year so far. For those who don't know, a scorigami scorega- is uh, is an art unique to football that basically lists. Um, each unique final score. So like, for example, like 24, 17, um, 17, 14 are some very common ones. A scorigami happens when one of those has happened that's, that's never happened before. And three of those have already happened uh, this year. Um, one was the Rams over the Giants, um, 38 to 11. Then the very next week, the Cardinals over the Texans, 31 to five. And just last night, Thursday Night Football, uh, the Colts came out on top of the Jets, forty-five to thirty. <laughs> Josh Johnson, baby, and um, just because I'm a Browns fan and we don't have much good, only two times in NFL history has a score forty-seven, forty-two been up, been up, and both of them have been Browns losses, and they both have been contenders for best game of the seasons. That was the Ravens Browns game last year, and now the Chargers Chargers Browns game this year was uh, was good for other reasons. It wasn't as good as the thing, the Ravens game. But we don't talk about that. Uh, we're back to talk- we're, we're okay. happy sadness. 
Yeah. Can I bring up another number concerning the Browns? Yeah. Uh, 13. Because that's a number you will not be seeing on the field anymore. Uh, yeah. Now that Odell Beckham Jr. has forced his way out, uh, he's on waivers. I find it very interesting, the timing of this. Like, why do you do it right after the trade deadline? Like, are you just that sadistic? Um, and also, like, I'll, you know, no, you're the Browns fan. I'll let you get, get your... No, you said you just finished it up first, though. Yeah, no. I'll just, like, the only thing I can, like, say to this is, is, like, really, Odell, who do you think you are? This is a team that made the playoffs in a very tough uh, AFC last year while you were hurt and now you're back and they lose a couple games and you think you're the shit. Like, come on, my guy. Like, Yeah, and I know um, the major problem, I know also happy birthday to Odell. You kind of got, you got your birthday wish of being off the Browns team. I know there was things with the Saints, but neither side wanted to give up the package that the other side wanted for it. And um, yeah, I feel like for the Odell problem, the issue was either one, we didn't really utilize him, and two, he really didn't put in the effort. And he is kind of the diva wide receiver that he was projected to, that he was what we saw when he left the Giants. And I know for a lot of people, they didn't see that, including myself for a little bit. I didn't think it was, it was bad, that bad, but now looking at it now, and everything that happened from his dad posting stuff about how he's not, I love him in a video of stuff, like how he's not doing stuff. Which, in retaliation, a lot of people posted videos of Odell like dropping very easy passes. And it was a very ugly these past few weeks, really. But Odell, you saw what happened to Antonio Brown when he tried to do this shit. Antonio Brown has a better legacy than you do at the end of the day. Antonio Brown is going to be looked at as a better receiver as of now. And we saw what happened to Antonio Brown when he tried to pull this diva stuff off. And for a while, he wasn't signed for a while. What makes you say the guy who just came off of a serious injury last year and might have an injury again this year, pull that kind of stuff? You have to be a team player when it comes to this. You're not the shit. And that's at the end of the day. You're not, you haven't proven yourself in a while. Like, I hopefully, I'm not saying this as a Saudi Browns fan, though. I do hope that he does find a team that does know how to utilize him. And I do hope we see Odell work hard again. Because those first two seasons with the Giants, we did see a different Odell than what's been happening in these more recent seasons where Odell now is kind of just salty and not trying as hard. And I do hope a team finds him, and I do hope they utilize him, and I do hope Odell works hard for it also. And my big thing is we gave him Gabriel Peppers for nothing at the end, at the end of the day, but at least the Giants enjoy him. So, that's cool. I mean, you might get a compensatory pick for it. I don't, I don't really know how that works, but... Neither do I. Yeah, but, you know, there's not really a point to end the episode off on that. Well, but, um, you Von know, Miller also got traded to the Rams. Oh, see, this is yeah, how much has yeah, gone on. This week, but there's a lot of bad stuff that happened this week also. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, where can you honestly find a weakness on this Rams team? Like, does it even exist? Not really. Like, this is a scary team. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, this is, like, we talked about this with with Vegas, and, like, the Rams are pretty much in the same place right now that they, like, are trading away every single draft pick they can imagine. They're going all in, and they better win it. That's true. Um, And the thing is also, they don't have a draft pick this year. There's no no pick in this year's draft. So they're really... I believe they have, like, a fifth-rounder. Oh yeah, I forgot about the fifth rounder. So, but at the end of the day, they're still in that we gotta win this now phase again, which we saw in 2018, I want to say, when they had Weddle and Akeem Talib and they got Ramsey. That was a cool team. And the Super Bowl sucked, but we don't talk about that. Yeah, you know what? But it was the NFC it honestly was this year is so like top heavy. Um, you have right now the Packers, the Cowboys. Uh, the Rams and the Cardinals all have one loss. None of those teams are in control of their own destiny. Yeah, like they could all like two, any two of them could tie with each other, and then it all co- and would all pretty much come down to strength of schedule. Yeah, like it's gonna be fun to watch though, and I don't. I'm just very fun for this. I'm just very excited for this NFC West. It looks very fun, and um. Yeah, this is gonna be fun. I could, we could really end this episode out there. I have technically three-ish good, good, good no stories. They all kind of involve the Jets, though. Yeah, go for it. So, um, so uh, the first one, as we know, the Seahawks have been without Russell Wilson for these past few weeks and had to start Geno Smith. Geno played the Jaguars and got a win. This is Geno Smith's first win since 2016. Good for you, Geno. Good for you, Geno. Uh, a better uh, put $1,000 on Mike White to lead the NFL passing yards in week eight. And he won $125,000 because he, he got that correct. Mike White threw for 405 yards. No one else did that. And in Mike White's first NFL start, he had 405 yards and three touchdowns. In his jersey and game ball, we're putting in, in Canton in his first start ever after being a journeyman quarterback. That's some good shit. Some good shit indeed. Exactly. I'm going to pounce on the opportunity to end on a good note right then and there. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us and bearing with us. We do this, um, try to do this every single Monday and Friday. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or something you want us to talk about, you can always leave a comment down below on YouTube or email us at number two fanspodcast at gmail.com. Any final thoughts, Ari? Nothing. That's it. So until next time, we will talk to you then. <laughs>